Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses... The reality of that eight-show-a-week slog is really hard. When I start on a character, I have to draw them, and I'm, I'm not an artist. This is an effect built in myth and mystery. So you'd be sitting in this tiny little bio box with radiators all around you. Which was a funny thing because I don't think that play would have happened in that way if it wasn't at Griffin. You're a bit different to the other girls in this area. Yes, I thought, yes, I am. That was the days when they could smell an actor or a singer and think, oh, I've got six weeks. My sisters really taught me that, that I had to be versatile. This ostrich, pink ostrich feather sticking up out of my hair, out of this weed. My first career, as it were, was preparation for my second career. And her face was beaming. It was just beaming at me. I hadn't lost any of my passion or love for it, so it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to Stages. I'm Peter Ayers. Growing up, there was always a comforting fixture on my television screen. A personality who connected effortlessly with her audience and who commanded the medium of television with few equals. Denise Drysdale excelled as a comedian, a dancer and a vocalist proving the second banana could also be the top banana. She followed in a line of performers who cut their teeth in the theatre and who pioneered the burgeoning entertainment of television in Australia. Denise Drysdale began her career at GTV9 when she was 10 years old, performing in the Tarax Happy Show. She has worked in and around television ever since, providing a host of magical moments through the live medium. The longevity and brilliance of her career in television confirms she is one of the best and few have replicated her golden talent. Denise has always been a bit of a hero for me, so you can imagine the thrill of being gifted an audience with her. Funny, quick, candid, genuine, reflective. She's everything you'd have hoped for, and a bit more, which you'll discover in this most satisfying episode of The Stages Podcast. You've got all the good stuff. Um, no, it's good. It re- records really well, too. Yeah. In stereo, which is great. Um, Denise Drysdale, what a thrill to sit down and talk to you. Well, it's great to be sitting down with you. Well, it's great to be sitting anywhere, to be honest. Isn't I'm getting it? into that age group. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, many of us have, have followed your career on television for many decades. Yes, um, You've yes. given us great uh, thrills and enjoyment. Uh, in those decades. But a lot of people perhaps don't know that you also uh, started your career on the musical theatre stage. Yeah, that was, but that was as a kid. As a, a little, kid, of A course. little kid. Of I course. started dancing at the age of three and a half yeah. at Maydown's dancing school and she was in, did all the pantomimes and if anything was going where they needed little kids, you know, up, up went the Maydown's kids. And so one of the first things I did was Frank Sinatra at the... Uh, Festival Hall, that's where it was, and um, all the kids, we opened the show by singing Nick Nack Paddy Whack, Give a Dog a Bone, this old man, because that movie was yeah. at, at, at its height. And then I had um, a line with Stan Freeberg, I had to go up to him and say, Sing all of me, Mr. Mr. Sinatra, to Stan Freeberg, the comedian. That was a laugh, you know, and um, of course his face. And that was, someone was asking me, that. Well, that's the first laugh that I got. I didn't remember it, of course, but yeah, because I would have been about seven or eight, whenever whenever Frank Sinatra, it was 56, wasn't he, when he was yeah, out? Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I would have been six or seven when I did it. 
Uh, your mum and dad had a pub, didn't they? That's right, the Fountain Inn Hotel on the corner of Bay and Crockford Street, <laughs> opposite the horse trough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so also, I guess a lot of your first audiences would have been patrons of the pub, perhaps? No, not really. No, they were... I think the pantomimes we used to do six weeks at Christmas yeah. and all the kids, um, you know, pantomimes were big then. They had them every year. Um, so we used to do those. Yeah. But that was that was good fun. So, so did you have a, um, a propensity to, to want to dance, or I, I no, mean also no, that, that no, mum no. just wanted to get you out of the pub at That's six right. o'clock? That's right. Yeah, no, she it was six o'clock closing and the six o'clock swill, and of course on a Saturday they were all roaring. You know, at six o'clock, so she sent me off to dancing, so I didn't have to witness all that. But I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to hang out of the <laughs> hang out of the upstairs window and watch them all staggered uh, home with their bottles of beer at the six o'clock closing. I better turn that off, eh? Oh, is that? Oh, that's a phone. <laughs> I thought you had Aussie ostrich somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to get the cleaner. Oh, right. She was supposed to come yesterday and I can't get her on the phone. I'm wondering whether she's ill. Everybody's ill. I've got two in hospital and one died on Friday. Oh, that's no good. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, you, get, you get one a week at the moment <laughs> and all the good ones are going, like Barry yeah. Humphreys and... Yeah. What, oh, what was he like? He was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah. It's a shame they, they haven't got somewhere that, or something that they can do with someone's brain mm. that where it can to be saved and, yeah, and for a later time and yeah given to because his brain worked twenty four seven he never wasted one minute of learning something or doing something his head would just retain all of this mm. and he was always on top of everything. Just an amazing man. And I knew him. I took him up parasailing once <laughs> in Port Douglas. Right. Oh. <laughs> he was so funny. He, we put him into the sling and he, he said, take my camera, take my, get, make sure you get lots of photos because they don't think I'm adventurous enough, my family. <laughs> and his skinny little legs dangling <laughs> down. It was really funny. <laughs> oh, oh, God, Maud. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Anyway, where were we? We're at the pub. Um, we're at the pub, but uh, Walt Disney's frozen somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, but his his brain was nothing like Barry's. He oh, stole no. everybody's ideas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Disney, yeah. did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the documentary. Yes, I've read the books. Unbelievable, yeah. isn't that? I don't think I could do that. Steal somebody's no. really good idea and not give them acknowledgement or even payment. Hmm. Yeah, you can. That's not. No, we don't care about Walt Disney. We should have saved. Barry, Barry Humphrey's brain, yeah, frozen hip. <laughs> yeah, um, I've spoken to a few people, John Newman, you know, Tiki and John's. And, yes, and, and oh, I love them. Robin Archer, who grew up in pubs, and, and they said that, you know, their first audiences were, were performing for the patrons. I suppose, I can't remember that, I know that Mum used to invite all the people that were doing the nighttime shows at the Tivoli, she'd come in at the, to the pantomimes, and they used to have the best parties and she'd pull me up for those parties, but they weren't the patrons of the pub. They were like Nat Jackley and oh, I can't, Roy Barber and all these wonderful people. Yeah. And they'd come after the show on a Saturday night. I'd be up Monday morning in my, in my uniform to go to school and they were still there. I woke up in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs were there one Monday morning <laughs> and they'd stayed all weekend. <laughs> 
Uh, you were in the Junior Ballet in the Tarax Club at GW9. That's right. started there at ten and a half when um, uh, Norman Swain, it was his big show from, I think he was had done radio and they brought him to, to television and um, the first... <laughs> him come come down on I shouldn't be laughing because it's not funny um he came down on a slide and then he was supposed to do a, a routine with the kids with us and he came down the slide and broke his leg and oh. all all we can hear is ah! what we're doing there the the thing that we we're supposed to do with him the dance and Val Mayenor who was the choreographer she stepped in for him, and she, so she did it. So we didn't miss a beat. But in the background, and then we can hear him screaming as they've, they've come and taken him out of the studio. Live television. Live television. <laughs> the poor bugger. Anyway, um, I think that was when Jeff Cork took over as King Corky. Right. And um, Professor Ratbaggy, who was uh, Aussie Ostrich. Yeah. Ernie yeah. Carroll. Ernie Carroll, another one that's gone. He was a funny man. Yeah. 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 So, so a lot of people are cutting their teeth on television at that time too. What, what, what of was course. It, what was it like being in the studio then? Oh, it's like a little Hollywood to me because yeah. I'd been dancing for so long, and then being in the junior ballet, well, that was pretty special. And then you'd see all the dancers from the night time, and then you'd see the chorus and the orchestra. You'd see Rosie Sturgis and Joff Allen. They'd be rehearsing a little bits in the corridor before, you know, before... Before IMT or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you saw all that and it was very exciting for a kid. And um, May was always up with the latest from overseas. If there was a new show, she always had the music, you know, like virtually the week later. So she, we were were sort of up on everything. And this is a time before streaming, of course, or computers. So she must have known some flight attendants who... Well, she had what was his name? Ginger. Oh, it was a big, tall man with ginger hair, and he used to go overseas a lot. Nice. I, I expect that he he brought it back because he was sweet on Tuppy Downs, May's daughter, right. who never got married, and but I I suspect that they might have been friends at one stage, right. but Tuppy never married. Yes. Which is a bit, bit of a shame for her, I think. Keep, keep the mother-in-law happy or the, or the prospective the mother. mother-in-law? Yeah, the, you, no, you know, no. The, no, Ginger, Ginger Meggs, you know. Oh, yeah, Ginger <laughs> Meggs. I wish I could think of his last name. Never mind. Somebody who's listening to this will know him. Uh, you graduated into Melbourne's first go-go dancer on, on commotion. Yeah, that was after... I went into the senior ballet right. when I was um, three months off, 15 years old. And um, I did that for a year. So were the senior ballet doing things like IMT? Yes, right. yeah, okay. they used to do three ballets a week. This is long year. before the Tony Bartuccio dancers. <laughs> long <laughs> before them and long before Commotion because right. Commotion was a couple of years later. Right. Um, yeah, but I got the sack because I, I, um, I grew breasts and I looked like a 3-3 three, three and a 2-2. Two, two. Right. And um, it was <laughs> I didn't have the physique of a ballet dancer. Right. I was quite... Curvy, which, as you know, they're, they're straight up and down. So I got the sack, and then I went and did a funny thing happen on the way to the forum, and then in between that, commotion started, and also I got everybody's girl of the year, every everybody's magazine because of a soldier in Vietnam, and that sort of started the thing for me to go over to Vietnam, 
in September 67. Right. Yeah, so it was all grouped up into all together. Right. Yeah. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Now, JC Williamson's? Yes. Yeah. Um, Bob Hornery was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Bob uh, Hornery. General, Geraldine Morrow. Yes. So you're one of the, the harem girls, I suppose. I or? was. I was Tintinabula. <laughs> the was, Indian girl. It was effectively an old burlesque show, wasn't it? With old old comics oh, and then the, the pretty, oh, pretty girls. And, yeah, but a funny show. It's a funny show. Oh, hysterical. One and, of my favourites. And um, I can't remember the name of the man who did... He was a, an American was it guy. Jack, Jack someone? Or? Jack. Um, mm. oh, I'm hopeless. Anyway, he was very mischievous and funny on stage. He was lovely. Yeah. So, so is that when you begin to perhaps sprout your comic chops, you know, as a because you've been very successful as a comedian and and the, um, well, the thing is, in the, in the ballet, in the junior ballet, if there was something, I was, I was called upon, and I was a bit of a, a favourite, I think, with May because she used to put me up for stuff, if something like Win- Winford Atwell came out, and I had to go in for a photo and sit on about. 10 phone books and played the piano and photo in the paper and all of that. So, um, and if there was a, another thing I did with Tommy Hanlon when I was in the junior ballet was I dressed up and had no teeth and big symbols on my, on my knees and when the music stopped I had to hitch up my dress and bang the symbols. <laughs> so that was when I was doing the junior ballet. So, and that's, I think that's what's kept me in a job because I grew up with the Ernie Carrolls and with um, uh, Roy Kinnear and all of these producers, they knew of me and so I was always, that's where I was so lucky. Imagine trying to start out now. You've got to be absolutely brilliant on the first night. You can't make any mistakes. And then I did sketches with Graham on the show when I was older. Um, after I got the sack, uh, they used my uh, voluptuous figure to advantage. Um, so it sort of all just started. There was no big plan. It just all fell into place. And I was always... I get went from one job to another all the time. And I've done that for as long as I can remember. Yeah, pioneers like Tony Lamond and oh, Lorraine Desmond. Well, she was my hero. Yeah. I used to I used to say I want to be like Tony and the one who would be able to sing and dance and do comedy, and yeah, I was able to tell her. Oh, oh, it's years, probably ten or fifteen years ago. I told her. I said I used to love you. I wanted oh, to she be like you. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it tough as a woman breaking into television? Didn't at that even time? think about it. No. Didn't enter my head. I knew, I knew it was a, a man's world, but I didn't let it. Hinder you it, or stop you in any Well, way. it didn't enter my head. Right, right. You know? I just... Um, and remember, I've grown up in a pub. Yeah. Those just... The customers, when I come home from school, they'd say, here's a packet of razor blades, go and play in the traffic. As a joke. Yeah. So I, I was brought up with that. Yeah. And you have to come up with a... Well, I don't know what I said, or, but yeah. I, I can remember it, you know. I don't know what I said, but that's what I was brought up with. Yeah. And mum and dad, dad was a very, very funny man. He was dry sense of humour. He would have you in fits in any situation. Couldn't stand near him at a funeral because he'd have you laughing. And mum and dad, and mum used to tell uh, dad and Dave jokes. 
and May Bong, David May Bong jokes. And she, so she was funny in her own way as well. Yeah. Yeah, so. Salad days at St Martin's. UCLA. Oh, that was when I came back from England. Right. Did you go to the UK for a while, did you? I did. I went um, after Vietnam in 67. I, I joined up with Digger, the Digger Ravel Review and they were going to Asia for the American soldiers. So we did that for six months, travelled Japan, Okinawa, Saipan, Korea, Thailand, everywhere for six months, Vietnam, and they were going to go back to Vietnam and I didn't feel safe at that stage. It was about uh, July 69 and I didn't feel safe. You must have been 19, 20, were you? Yeah, I had my 21st in London with no money. Yeah. (laughs) I actually shared... part. We had pasties and a bottle of cider with Olivia uh, for my 21st. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, so that was... That's a... God, how long ago is that? Let's not go back Let's that far. Let's not go back that far. Um, but Vietnam, um, you must have seen some horrible things too and, yeah. and been in some um, dicey situations. The second time was dicier than the first. We were very well looked after with the Australian Army, but... Um, no, you did. You saw. You didn't understand, though. You no, didn't that's, understand. That's, you were a kid, weren't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, was it not a, the, the same age as the as the boys were, that were conscripted? Um, and they, yeah, it was. And that the Vietnam vets now are so important. And as you get older, that part of your life becomes more important because you. They were so appreciative that you you yeah. were there. Yeah. You know, yeah, so you shared that. Yeah, yeah, you shared that minute or whatever the show with them. Yeah. Mm. Did you have any sort of profile at that point, or celebrity, because of the the television gigs? Mm, at home, I did yeah. because of commotion. But the Australian boys would know you, wouldn't they? Yes, yeah. from commotion. Yeah, God, yeah. they all just what did they say? They used to. I used to run home from school and watch you on the television, watch you on commotion. Um, yes. So from commotion, yeah, they knew us. They knew us, and I was with Paddy, Paddy Newton, right. and the Strangers. So that they were all well known. Yeah, she was probably Paddy McGrath at that point, wasn't she? She was. Yeah, she hadn't met. Well, she probably knew Bert, but they, well, they weren't she, married. Were now they? we worked that out. She fell in love with Bert at four, at the age of fourteen, and never she got engaged to someone. Um, and they were about to be married, and that's when Bert came onto the ship that she was on, that she was entertaining on, and um, proposed there because she was going to marry somebody else. Right. You always want something you can't have. Yeah. But no, she was in love with him from the age of fourteen, and it's, she's and she looked after him and did everything for him for the rest of his life. Yeah. You um. You came back from London then. That was because the tour had finished. You didn't tour want, had finished. You didn't want to stay in London, or no? no. I, d- I did a few jobs, but I didn't have a car, and you'd, I'd have to get a cab and a train and a bus and a cab to the to the gig, and then I'd be looking at the at my watch to see how to get back. So I didn't miss the train to get back. Oh, one one time. Um, I was on stage and I said, I've got to go, I've got to get the train. And, and the guy who booked me or something came on and said, I'll take you home, don't worry, just keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty good. I think he gave me the money for a cab too from somewhere, mm. which was, you know, 
unheard of. No, it was. Too, I had a got a steady job as a waitress. Yeah. yeah, I did all my waiting and things like that. I did um, Lifeline over there though. There was a, a group called Oh no, not Lifeline, Samaritans, and um, I worked with them for a while right. as a telephone service. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I wanted to do when I came home. I went into Lifeline and said I'd like to be do some social work. Yeah. yeah. And she said, the girl said, or whoever it was, said, you have to write a 10,000-word thesis on how you've developed as a person. And I went, oh, God, forget it. So I walked out of there and thought, if I can't help like that, I'll help where I can with my friends. Yeah. And that's what I've tried to do. Great. Um, so you pursued a career in showbiz. Were, were your parents supportive of that? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, great. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I tried to give up dancing when I was about 10 or 11 and mum said you can't give up we've spent too much money on you and so I just kept going but I hated ballet I, I can't watch the ballet to this day because I see the pain I don't I see that beautiful leg go up and that point and that stretch and all I can feel is the aches and the pains mm. that she's probably feeling uh, you know five minutes after she gets off stage yes it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah because absolutely. it takes the joy out of watching it. Everything is beautiful at the ballet, not really. If no. You're do, if you're doing it. Hardest, hardest, hardest job in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, Ron Barassi, had, uh, didn't he have his um, Melbourne Football Club going That's and right. work with Robert Helpman? <laughs> That's right, he did too at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Salad Days, John Dietrich, Ernie Bourne. Yes. Uh, and it was directed by Jeff Warren, who came out here to do The King and I. That's right. Mm. That's right. I got That was probably the first time that I was told to pull up and not do... There was a... We're looking for a piano, you know, yeah, that yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's the three old ladies. Yeah. Well, I was one of the old ladies, and I was called into the office and said, you're too funny, you'll have to pull it back. Well, and you're first a kid. time. You're no, 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 no. You knew I what was, you were doing. No, I was twenty-one then. Right. Okay. Twenty-two. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Maybe twenty. Well, I'm still a kid. I just had you listen. A, you had May Downs. May Downs told us to give a hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Okay. So well, I took it a bit further and did hundred and fifty <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time. So that was probably no, no, no. The other time when somebody tried to stop me from doing something was when I was doing commotion, and I was singing, doing all the singing jobs, and I got offered a recording contract. And Jeff Joseph, who was then run, running commotion, not Jeff Joseph. Um, oh, what's his name? Another, another Joseph. And um, he said, no, you either dance or you, or you sing. And my father went in with me and said, she's going she's gonna to sing. So I left commotion for a while. Then he, he left or got ousted, I don't know. And then I was asked back, so I, I was singing and dancing. Right. So that was good. Uh, getting singing lessons at this time? Or? Yes. I did have for about a year singing lessons with Diana Trask's singing coach. Yeah. I couldn't sing, though. I wanted so much to sing. I can sing now because yeah. God got sick of the prayers. I thought, <laughs> for God's sake. I'm... He's a voice. <laughs> yeah. So I grew into one. My, my biggest thing was I did The Impossible Dream with the Melbourne Symphony, Symphony Orchestra one New Year's Eve. And we'd had four performances and I got 
I nailed it the last time, and I I could have died then. Yeah. Especially with an orchestra. Oh, it was heaven, heaven. And it was so lovely because all the the singers in there and and the musicians at some stage in the the performances came up and said, you're doing a really good job. And getting coming from them, that meant so much. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. 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 Uh, Grease is the word. Oh. <laughs> and he lasted six months, uh, six weeks. Oh. Uh, this at is, the Metro. Yeah, Harry and Miller's production. Yeah, we reckon he did it to, as a tax dodge. Right. Because, um, oh, it was just bedlam. Bedlam. The, the, the guy that produced was... Um, the choreographer and director. Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Isn't Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? Do you watch those shows? No, didn't know that he was still he alive. Was in that. He's yeah, still alive. Yeah, he's still acting. He's a yeah, very successful actor. He's been nom- nominated for Emmy Awards. And, yeah. It took him a long time <laughs> because the, he was given the apartment in inverted commas with asterisks and commas and everything and question marks at the metro and it was um it was cold i think and he took the door off and and lit that up in the fireplace right that was at the, that was during rehearsals and well melbourne can get cold <laughs> yeah i know but and um he was going out with the leading lady mary ann someone and um God, I can't believe he's still alive. Yeah, I'll show you. We'll look him up. I'll show you a photo. Oh, right. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to see what yeah. he looks like now. But a great cast. Dietrich, Tina Bursell, Sal Sharar. Uh, 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 Na- uh, Chris McQuaid. Yeah. Uh, Natalie. Moscow. That's it, Natalie Moscow. A lot of people that Ron are... Ron Challoner. Is still my friend. Yeah. That's when I met him. Yeah. Okay, on that show. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Were you fond of writing things on your lips? No, I might have. Tita Bursal's been dobbing on you. Actually, yeah. I wrote a bit. I wrote a note on underneath my dress when you know they do the DJ and he's saying, "And we'll spend the a da da da." And I put my dress up like that and had a rude thing on it right. underneath. Right. But I had you might have had something on your lips as well. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably it was just bedlam. That was when Ron Challoner, because he was he was Eugene in it, and he had quite a bit of time off stage. And one day he's put this full Cleopatra ma- makeup on him on himself. <laughs> he's Eugene with the bow tie, and he had to go on and do the whole thing with his back to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he left. John Banks left. He left after about the first. Two days or something. Right, went back to yeah, went yeah. back to New York, but I had to laugh because it was running too long. And he came. This is the opening night, and he came up and he said, "Hurry the whole thing along." That was his direction. Hurry up! Hurry up! Say it faster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was good fun. That was a, a audition process, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I just sort of I, I came back not wanting to be in show business, and Loretta Healy. Or Crawford, Loretta Crawford. She was married to Henry Crawford, not not any relation to Hector Crawford. Right. But she was doing casting at, at Crawford's, and she put me in for all the television. You know, uh, Matlock and Divi Four, 
and um, homicide, yeah, I was in that. Um, and also she put me in for salad days because I think someone else got a job and had to drop out. And so she put me up for that. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do anything. Then, of course, then you're in, in, into it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, two gentlemen of Verona in 1973. Yes. Mr. Brodziak, <laughs> Aztec production. I'm no actress. I can't, I'm no good for eight performances a week. Because you get bored or? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I feel that I, um, yeah, I'm just no good at repetitive. I have to do it differently. Right. So I suppose that's ad lib, isn't it? That's where the ad lib yeah. comes from. Yeah, yeah. Because you are a great improviser and, and turning anything into something. Oh, yeah, especially yeah. something bad. Yeah. Holy moly. Anyway, um, yeah, because that was the thing with Ernie. That was so easy. You can't can't manufacture it. What we had, I, as soon as he started to talk, and this was from the very beginning, I knew where he wanted to go at the end of it. We hadn't talked about it, mm-hmm. but I knew I knew how to get him to there, and that's where he was a very generous performer, mm-hmm. because he let me go, mm-hmm. and he fed me too, and let me have a laugh. Mm-hmm. He could have easily said after the first couple of weeks, I don't want to work with her, yeah. but he didn't. It's amazing those great TV partnerships, whether it be, you know, Nolan Brown and Barry Creighton or yeah. Don and Bert or yep. Bert and Graham or... Or um, Bert and anybody. Bert hey, and anybody. <laughs> Wasn't he the master? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or you know, yourself and um, and Ernie. It's uh, it's just that, that magic chemistry, isn't it, that yeah. um, you it's, can't manufacture. It's, and we it's do, there or it's not. And we'd do a show, a, a floor show. And it'd go really well. And we'd have, we, I think the good thing is that we used to make each other laugh, mm. you know, which was good. But we'd get off, uh, off stage and I'd go, gee, that went well. What happened when you said, and he goes, oh, I don't know. We could never remember. Yeah. So never, no show was ever the same. Yeah. You know, the jo- maybe the jokes were, but not the ad lib, but just never, yeah, it just didn't come around again. <laughs> A new lot popped up. Did you um, see much of each other socially or was it? We didn't need to. We were always working. Right. Okay. <laughs> we had the 70s and then we had a bit of a go in the 80s. And then in the 90s we had, we did Melbourne Monday, Sydney Tuesday, Brisbane Wednesday. We'd fly back and then we'd probably have a floor show or something on the weekend. I reckon that's why it lasted so long with Glynis because I saw him more than she did. <laughs> <laughs> so was that the gig that really uh, gave you a rise to national prominence? That, that and Hey Hey was the first year in right. 89, right. in the middle of 89. I only did Hey Hey for a year. Yeah, yeah, but I enjoyed but, it. But, but you, you've won a gold logie in 74 and Yeah, but that's 75. 50 bloody years ago. But I mean, the, the first time that you really sort of became famous. Listen, I was getting, what was so wonderful is the, I was getting the tram to work and the tram home in those gold logie years, in the in the first six months right. of of the show with Ernie, which was never nineteen seventy four, and then somebody saw me walking up to the tram after the show and said, "You can't get on the tram at late at night at eleven o'clock at night or whatever it was," and go. I said, "Well, I haven't." Got... And so then I got a cab voucher to get home at, at, at night, yeah. which was fabulous. But in those six months, I saved up and bought a car. I had not a penny to my name. Right. How did the gig come about? Did... 
Well, Ernie had spotted you and wanted I'd you? I'd been or? over to Adelaide a couple of times when he was working in Adelaide tonight. Yeah. Then they asked him to do in Melbourne, to, you know, in Melbourne tonight nationally. And the, they asked me to do the sketches in the afternoons the first week. And the second week they asked me to do the, the wheel and that was it. I didn't... I kept just kept doing it. Hmm. And... Um, and uh, Hey Paula, that come along around then? That we did it um, on a rock and roll show and it, we got a good reaction to it and Ernie said, we should record that. And I said, let's give the money to charity. And he went, uh, 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 nearly choked. <laughs> anyway, we recorded it, <laughs> not knowing it was going to sell over 100,000 copies, which meant we could have bought a house. Yeah. But it went to Lifeline. Great. And can I tell you a story? Yeah. Only, oh, probably what is it, five, six years ago, Ernie was doing a show, I think it was Studio 10 he came on to do, and we are talking about that, and he said, I never got a letter from, a thank you letter from Lifeline. So somebody must have been watching, he got a thank you letter <laughs> about 50 years late. <laughs> he held on to it that long. <laughs> Did you have a blue? No, I had, no. I'd get angry with him, yeah. but not, not, no, no, not, not, not walk out or, or anything. Out, no, yeah, yeah. no, something happened very early on, very early on, and I won't tell you what it's about. But he sent me a memo, and I went and knocked on his door, and he opened it on his dressing room door, and I threw it in, and I went, "I've earned my stripes. If you've got anything to say to me, you say it to my face," and left. And never once after that. Great. Because I had, I mean, I'd, I'd been through a lot mm. at that stage in my own personal life as well and professionally. And if you're going to start a relationship with anybody, you, you need to be able to talk to them yeah, yeah, if yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah. It was only a slight, it wasn't anything really. But anyway, so that, that got rid of that and never to be seen again. The gold logie, um, that must increase your cachet as a performer and a, and a TV personality. I mean, did you attract well, any more um, network attention? or? or... Well, we, we did 74-75 and at the end of seven, 1975, Kerry Packer calls us all, the whole team, producers, you know, peop on-camera people, into this room and he takes everyone in, one at a time, to renegotiate their contract. And he left me till last. I'm in a tracksuit, pale, pale blue brown nylon tracksuit and, and my hair in rollers. And um, he goes in and he said, now I want to put you under contract for three years. I said, that's fabulous. And I, I can't remember how much it was. And I said, that's not much. I'm expecting to make a, a, a million dollars out of this. I said, the least you can do is help me. And he said, you're a very disconcerting young lady, aren't you? And he said, do you want to go out for dinner? I said, no, thanks, I've eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I'd had my <me> omelette <laughs> and chips. Um, so, and he said to me, if ever anything comes up, you, 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 ring, you know you can ring me. And a couple of things did come up, you know. Um, From other networks, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I got I got to talk to him. Yeah, one was an ad, and another thing was uh, Bluestone Boys for Channel Ten, oh, which yeah. he allowed me to do. Right, but that's the end of seventy five. 
So the beginning of 76, we have to go early. We're not going at 9.30 because Mr Packer spent millions of dollars on night cricket, right? So we go on air. I think it was... I think we had to go at 8. Ernie gets on at the beginning of the show and says, we're early tonight because there's night cricket on. Who wants to watch night cricket? (laughs) Well, Mr Packer did. So that was on the Tuesday. Ernie got the sack on the Wednesday. Mr Packer flew down with Don Lane on the plane. Ernie got the sack. I was... And it must have been on the Thursday. On Thursday night... Don and Bert did the show. I was taping at Channel 10 Bluestone Boys and I'd get out of the studio and there's all these cameras. And they said, what do you, what do you think about Ernie getting the sack? And I went, I think I'll have to make a phone call. So I rang Pam Barnes, who was in, um, I forget, she might have been a producer or looked after, you know, talent. And I said, what's happening? She said, Ernie got the sack because of his comment. And I said, well, do I come in? She said, no, just go home. <laughs> So I had a three-year contract with, uh, I called it, what did I call it, the weekly, uh, the glorified dole check. So I was with them for three years. I, was, I used to call myself the local bit of fluff. If they ever needed anything, I'll get her, she's under contract. <laughs> 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 did, did you have any management or an agent? You represent no, I did. I did during those times, but... He was. Um, he used to believe any publicity was good publicity, right. and I wasn't of that sort of person. Yeah. So, yeah. I've had. A, here's my beautiful. This is this is the thing that makes me get up in the morning. What's his name? His name's Mr. D.D. Darling Dog. <laughs> and he is, aren't you? You're beautiful. He oh, is. He's the best. Very dog. cute. He's up out of sorts because. His, um, his friend's mother's in hospital, his, his dog friend. Right. So he, he hasn't seen him for a while. Hasn't had any play dates. No, because yeah. he sees him nearly every day. Because right. Donny loves him as well. It's his second mum. I'm not jealous. Oh, a little bit, perhaps. No. No, no. Oh, how wonderful. Listen, I think dogs are such a personal thing. Yeah. And we all love our dogs. Yeah. And everyone thinks that theirs is the best. But I've got someone who loves him as much as I do. Oh, yeah. So I look at it that. How, how wonderful is that? That's if right. I'm not with him, yep. she's hand-feeding him. Or I couldn't get him to eat. And so, and, then, and he gets my son, other, one son loves him and looks after him. And they fight over who's going to have him. So isn't that the best position Absolutely. to be in? He's wanted. Instead of looking for somebody, oh, yeah. no, I don't want him because he sits on the top of the couches or yeah. whatever. Yes, I'm talking about you. Head <laughs> <laughs> goes. I love you. You want a treat? Can I take a minute to... Yeah. I'll just him, get him a little treat. Give him a treat. Come on. Duck. Oh. He eats better than I do. Yeah. 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 God, we're only up to the 70s. That's good. Um... <laughs> So the Bluestone Boys on Channel Ten, that was a, a sitcom set yeah. in the prison, wasn't it? Yes. Um Funny. Gary Meadows was in it. Right. And he had reams and reams and reams of of 
dialogue to learn and he was brilliant. He was brilliant in it and also, and I was Nurse Peachy in that. Yeah. So you can imagine what the, the costume looked like. Yeah. It wasn't a nurse's costume at no, all. No. It was like a bit of cleavage. Oh, a little bit of cleavage. Very carry on, yeah. <laughs> carry on, carry on up the prison. <laughs> carry on up Pentridge. Um, it only went one one season. I think it was yeah. one season. There yeah. was one I can still remember. George Bartels, yes. who was in um, Godspell, Godspell and in also, Chicago, and also in in uh, he was in Greece, was he? Yes, no. yeah. Um, he and I had a scene and we're in a corridor and I said, do you know why we're here? And he said, no. He said, just say the lines. <laughs> just say the lines. <laughs> no, no one knew anything that was going on. <laughs> I've never been in... I've al- almost been in something that's a, that's a su- success, like Ernie, at him getting the sack. Mm. That, that third year, if he hadn't got the sack, we would have just killed him because yeah. we would just have that... You know, they didn't matter what we did, it was funny. And so that just went out of my grasp. And then also out of my grasp was Hey Hey. So that was 89 you joined? 89 till the middle of 90. Because Jackie McDonald had left, so they were looking for a a replacement, Mm. uh, Sega Banana. Yes. And how did that go? (laughs) <laughs> you know how it went. <laughs> you were fantastic. I, I mean, loved really, doing that show. You really show. injected a lot of uh, spunk into the, into, yeah, too into much. the format. There I was again, given 150%. Yeah, yeah. Your bacon sizzle is the best bacon sizzle oh, I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. I still do it. Do you? And you know what? <laughs> I get applause for getting up off the floor. <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> I get down to do my my fly and my. No, I was going to say the other thing was the blowfly, wasn't it? Blowfly, and then I've got um a couple of other things that I do on the ground, and then when I try and get up because I'm a knee replacement, um, yeah, I get applause for getting up, so that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you're working with a new host there, and and it's developing a new relationship. That that is a challenge, I imagine. It's a challenge if one person doesn't want to give. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the secret to a great um, generosity of. Well, it's tennis, of, isn't it? You're hitting the ball back yeah, and forth. Yeah, generosity of spirit, uh, in the spirit of the game of of comedy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all I want to say. Yeah, no, it's great, great. No, um, well, you gave us many. How long were we with it? A year. A year. Well, a great year. Thank of, you. Of, of, of joyous, <laughs> of joy in that. There was something every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was something to look forward to. Um, who did you play in Dimbilna? Oh, the bride. Do? Six You're lines. Bride. Oh, she doesn't say much, does she? Yeah. No. Better out than in. And, um, oh, another fabulous performer. Played your hubby. Jane. Oh. Clifton? Jane Clifton. She was the... Uh, she was the bridesmaid right. and we'd be sitting there and and she'd she'd nudge me with her with her elbow as to when I had to say a line because I only had six and I couldn't and then um uh, Maury Fields was in it so he I was just I used to just watch him and just laugh at him he was god he was a brilliant performer yeah. and um immaculate time yeah but one time I was doing the show the night time with Ernie, as as well as at Dimboola. At the Chevron. At the Chevron, but I had Tuesdays and Thursday nights off. And one night, one day, because oh, I used to go home 
in between the shows. And I went to sleep and I woke up and I headed off towards um, the Chevron. And I should have been heading off to, to, to Channel, Channel 9. 9. So it actually gave me an idea for the next time I was on that I'd pretend I'd slept in. I went in in my pyjamas, no makeup on and everything. But the good thing is I never told anybody except Ma- Max Morrison. State who manager. Was floor sta- manager. Floor manager. Yeah. He always knew what was going on. And, um, yeah, so I didn't get in there till about a minute before I had to go on. So everybody was, you know, where is she and everything. So everybody was you know, in the moment of the thing. Yeah. So it worked. That's what worked. Uh, that that um, moments of preparation before live television, is there anything that you do specifically? I mean, you're in the makeup no. chair, obviously, for a while or something. Do you need some, some quiet time? Do you no. need to? No? no. You just... Red light goes on and you're on. Yeah. Although I suspect you're on a lot, even when you're not on. You're on. I think I used okay. to be... More so, as I've gotten older, I'm yeah. a bit more sedate. But no, I can have a good time. I have the best time of my life now with a, my friend called Jessica Rowe. Yep. She just... I've only, only met her on Studio 10. So it's a, a new sort of a, a, a different relationship because I could be a mother. But we just click. And now when I go to Sydney, I stay with her instead of in a hotel and we're just... Well, I laugh from the time I see her. And she's the most joyous, beautiful, fabulous human ever. That's great. And to, ha- to get that when you're late in life, you know how yeah. stuck you get with getting new friends and things. Yeah. So that's, that makes me laugh. But friend, friends of all ages is so important, isn't it? Oh, I think so, yeah, yes. If you, if you can develop But see, I've got... Them. I've probably got all the friends that we've talked about, like Paddy, Ron... Marcy, all the people from the 60s I'm friends with, um, haven't made many friends on shows, but I've made more friends at Studio 10 than I've ever made. Now, whether that's to do with my age, I don't know, but, um, yeah, there's people there that I care a lot about. Funny, isn't it? They care about you too, I guess, too. You are, you know, it's, it's bandied around a lot, but you're television royalty in... In Australia. Oh, where's, I my, mean, where's my crown? <laughs> you want to be Queen of Moomba? I was Queen of Moomba. Oh, were you? Okay. And you know You've what? That. that I shouldn't... I've, I've done, I've, when I left Victoria about nine years ago, I sold everything and burnt things and whatever. And now when I get up, when I look around here, I think a couple, there's a couple of things I shouldn't have gotten rid of, and that was my Moomba crown. Um, I gave away my uh, scepter, Olympics yeah. torch. Oh, Olympics torch, right? Gave that to somebody. Yeah. The gold record. Right. I gave. I, oh, just little things that I well, should have kept, well, but, I mean, but they went to people that were very appreciative. Yeah, yeah, that's important, I think. And unless you're Debbie Reynolds, who's going to start her own museum, you know, the Denise Drysdale Museum. Well, the um, thing is, the kids didn't want it. I had a yeah. big trunk and you full can't of stuff. Carry it around a lifetime. No, no, no. I had clippings. Um, there used to be a, a, a clipping service. They'd clip out things and send them every month. From, right. from, I don't know what it was, 20 bucks a month, I don't know. And I hadn't even opened them. That's how interested I was. Yeah, yeah. And then I said to the kids, I said, no, we don't want it. And I said, all right. So I took a took trunk to the back of the where I used to burn off right. and on the farm and burned everything. 
But that was a, a, an important chapter in your life, I guess. I mean, you're packing up, you're leaving Victoria. Oh, it was huge. So, and I didn't know where I was going. That stupid, bloody idiot from Current Affair, when I, I was in my car and he said, do you know where you're going to go? And I said, oh, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I'll, I'll sleep in the car. I'll live in the car if I have to. He put that to air and I had phone calls from people I didn't even know or messages saying, we didn't realise you were so, so, uh, so bad. You can come and stay with us. Don't worry about it. Idiot. It was an ACA reporter that what just turned up at your driveway. No, did they did were doing a story, story about me right. leaving. Okay, right. And um, and I didn't know where I was going either. Mm. But mm. and then it flippantly said, "I'll live in the car." Yeah. Anyway, you found out who your friends were. <laughs> yes, they offered you a bed. <laughs> well, well, some years later in '95, you're back on the musical theatre stage with Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly, yes. Yeah. What? With Warren Mitchell. You, and Jill Perryman. And Jill. Giving oh, her Dolly beautiful. Yeah. What a great show to make a return with. It was. It was. At the time, my personal life was in, in the doldrum, in the gutter, I'd have to say. And um, I'll tell you a funny story with that. I had a diamond ring that went missing. I won't tell you the whole story about that, but... Um, the theatre people said, put a, find a photo of it and we'll put it up and everything. And so three weeks after the photo of the ring went on, Warren Mitchell comes in half-time with his um, jocks on, nothing else, and says, what, what's that ring look like that you lost? And I said, oh, it's a, you know, sort of a pear-shaped diamond. He said, put your hand down here. And I went, it's not worth that much. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> he hadn't found it, had he? He had found it. Right. I, it's all right. It's too long a story. I hope you put detail on it. Oh, God. He didn't have it down there, did he? He did. Oh, goodness gracious. He did. Yeah. Anyway, that's another... Anyway. Another story. But you found <laughs> happy ending. You found your ring. I did find it. Yeah. I did find it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ernestine and Money. That's it. Of the role. Yeah. And I had a, a dance scene in it, which was pretty good. Yeah. At the Harmonia Gardens. You know everything. Oh, you know, it's a misspent use. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Metropolitan TV, you also had a stint in regional TV with uh, yeah. BW6 and also in Bendigo. Also in Ballarat. Yeah, Ballarat with BW6, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, also, I did a show out of Terrelgan right. for a couple of years, which right. was just before I went and did the morning show with Ernie, which was great. It was almost like it was meant to be because I was doing interviews there yeah. and sort of learned a bit, you know, yeah. from that. Yeah. But, but you um, had a, a professional relationship again with our friend Fred Farger on um, oh, Six Tonight. Love Fred. Yeah. He's so talented. He used to great be in talent. those shows. Yeah. At the at the beautiful theatre in Ballarat. Her Majesty's Theatre. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. They were the days, though. They were, they were like. Before aggregation, when all those regional stations had their had own, their own, yeah, um, which was their own fabulous. news, their own TV shows, yeah. But not only that, we had, we had it so good. I think. At that stage, we used to get a hire car. Or was that, and the next stage after Fred. I'm not sure, but 
I can remember going in a hire car up to there and from Melbourne, from Melbourne, right. to do the show, and then we'd go to La La, Sca, La, Sca, La Scala. Yeah, yeah, the restaurant. Wasn't that the best restaurant ever mm. anywhere? Mm. Mm. The beautiful and the silver and the mm. crystal yeah. and the class. And also, they used to have. Um, it was a Luigi baked avocado. Yeah. And do you know what I've tried to replicate it? Can never do it. Baked avocado it, was Was it crumbed or have a crust or anything? No, yeah. it was um it had prawns and avocado, then a cheese sauce on the top. And it was so I didn't even like prawns. It was so delicious. It was just the best dish. Wow. And I've never been I've tried to do it, but I don't I can't do it. It was Luigi and Anthea Bazzani. Who ran that? You probably stayed at the Mid-City Motel, did you? Oh, I did quite often. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other lovely one that was set in the park. And they used to have a conference room there. And I used to take the cat and the dog at that stage because I think it was before babies. And um, one time I took the cat and I couldn't find the cat so I had to leave it till the next week. Mm. I had to look after my cat. Did you find... He wasn't down Warren Mitchell's undies, was he? <laughs> no. No. Jesus, the things I've done, though. Uh, the cat and the dog, bloody three-hour drive from home. Um, a, sh- a show that I was surprised to see you in, but, but absolutely delighted because you were wonderful, was Please Like Me. Oh. And you played Ginger, um, who was... Uh, I, yes. A, 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 um, uh, another patient in the, um, the mental yes. health facility that uh, the character's mother was in. Can I tell you how I got that job please, with Josh? Please. We were doing Spla- uh, Splash. Was it Splash? With the diving show. Oh, that's right. I mean, the diving the show. show. No, no, the... but wait for this. Right. I, you have to tell. I haven't got a computer and I haven't got any of those devices that where they can send you something and you watch something. So I didn't get to watch the overseas shows where they dive. Right? right, so I know nothing about diving. But you signed up for it. I signed up for it. I, co- I thought, I can't swim, I'll learn to swim, this will be fabulous. And I'll be in a costume and other grandmothers can work out, they can, you know, get in a costume. So the producer rings and he says, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. He said, now about the diving. I said, diving? What's di- what diving? He said, it's a diving show. And I went, oh, I can't swim. I can't swim, I can only do dog paddle. And he said, no, you'll be right. So we had to go, for four weeks, we had to go every day, six, five days a week for swimming stuff. And I get there and the woman goes, um, just get on the diving board. And I went, oh, I, can't, I couldn't jump from there. I said, I'll just have to slide into the water. Anyway, we do the first couple of weeks and I, the second week I'm fed up with all this bloody jumping and doing and anyway so I'd get off the di- I'd run off the diving board and do a belly flop or whatever I've done and I've swum towards the camera and I've got out of the pool and I went I am so sick of this I'm not no no one told me this really hurt that that hurt so much then and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going I'm not staying I'm going home and I'm walking up and Josh comes up to me and goes Oh, my God, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, shut up. I'm giving them what they want. (laughs) 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 And so that's when he said, I didn't know you could act. And so that's how I got that part. Fantastic. Was he another contestant? Yeah, he was. Great. Wow. 
Yeah, so, and he's the most delightful guy. He's well, that was lovely. a beautiful series. And all the people on it, and like a, a well-oiled machine. I've never seen anything so precise and precision. Like, they had two cameras, which is unheard of, and they'd film one bit, and once that was, yeah, right, next scene, within five, ten minutes, the next scene was set up. It was so efficient yeah. and so good. It was just yeah, it was a delight to be part of it. And Would I you... was sorry they killed me off. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. It was a very sad, very sad episode. Was it? Yeah. Would you like to do more dramatic acting? Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> I also did The Flaming Fongs. So you don't know anything about that. No, that was a little cart- it's a cartoon right. that I did with Mark Mitchell. All right. We were the husband and wife, The Flaming Thongs. You were husband so... and wife in... Uh, Saturday Night Fever too, weren't you? That's right, yeah, yeah, in the thing. Yeah. Yes, no, I, I, every now and then something beautiful like that pops up, mm. you know, like doing that with Mark on that on the Flaming Thongs. He's so funny. He is one of the funniest people. And he'd do a line and the producer would go, no, that's not going to fit in. You'll have to cut out the laugh. Because yeah. he'd do, ha, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, and something like that. But he'd still get, then he'd do it again, but he'd get the laugh in, yeah. <laughs> even though, you know, to make it fit. He was just clever. Um, it's often the, the great clowns that are the, the great, you know, dramatic actors. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I just it. enjoy it. It's just, and it's that other thing of working with someone else too. Mm. And mm. Uh, Deborah Lawrence was in, yes. and she was, she helped me a lot. Yeah. She was lovely. Great. Really lovely, lovely lady. Um, this is probably a dirty word, but have you retired? No, uh, we don't retire. Yeah. The audience retires us, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. as I said, I've been lucky. I've gone from one thing to the other. I, I still do Studio 10 at least um, a couple of times every four weeks, which is lovely, so that I get to see Jess. I've got a contract with Esprit de Vie, and they're... A, uh, they are building these luxury apartments and I've been with them for a year and a half but it's, it's the guy that gave me the job who pays the bills he goes this is a great job he said I'll pick you up I'll take you out give you dinner and give you drinks and then bring you home he said how can I get a gig like that I said put in 50 years yeah. <laughs> so I work for them and that they're, they're lovely to work for and then I'm working with Craig Bennett we did a show Sunday and then I'm working with Normie this weekend, Normie Rowe, in Melbourne. Yeah. And then I do my shows on my own. So there's a, enough variety and enough yeah. in there. It, it's good because it, I would tend to be a, be a very big person yeah. if I didn't have to, you know, worry about myself. Yeah. Gets my nails done, my hair done and, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, well, Denise Drysdale, you exude tremendous warmth. I mean, is it any wonder that you've had uh, um, so many decades <laughs> of you. success? I mean, I've been a fan for a lifetime. <laughs> well, that's his way of saying he's old. Uh, I'm older than him by about t- two decades. But no, seriously, I have. You know, you're one of the giants of, of Australian television. Oh, that's so lovely. But yeah. as I said, it's I've worked hard, but I've had luck. Yeah. I've had the luck, and without the luck, I know plenty of entertainers out there that are wonderful funny just never had the breaks mm. you know so it's just all of that and and the audience if the audience weren't there 
I wouldn't have a job because they give you your living. And thank you very much, audience. Yeah. Well, thank you for chatting. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was an absolute treat. A dynamic career that continues to bring joy to Denise and all in her audience, on screen or on stage. Thanks for joining us in this episode. Please check out the episodes featured in the podcast thus far by visiting the website www.stagespodcast.com.au or by visiting the library at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Rate and review the podcast while you're there. I'm Peter Eyers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time on Stages.